Drop the Coconut, Episode 1. Hello everyone, my name is Roy Peretz, and I'm here in Angel Fire, New Mexico with my husband, Ron Thurston. Four months ago, we left New York City to live in an airstream. We are going to talk about coconuts a lot in the next few months. I hope that through these conversations you might find few of them in your possession, and who knows, maybe drop one or two. If it sparks something within you, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram, at DropTheCoconut, on LinkedIn and on Facebook, and I really hope that you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording it and talking about it. So, here we go. Enjoy. Ron Thurston, hello. Good morning, Roy Perez. Hi. Um, this is actually the second time that we're recording the first episode. The first time was in Miami. It was about three weeks after we left New York. And talking about Rob the Coconut, this is where you'll see this repeating in my life where I can't let things go. I have to do them over and over again. I have to make sure that they're perfect. I have to make sure that what I say is perfect. And then I have to make sure that you, what you say is perfect. How difficult it is. <laughs> Nothing's perfect in this world. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in um, Angel Fire in New Mexico. It's a gorgeous place here. And it seems fitting just because we've been here for almost 20 days. Mm-hmm. We're very relaxed. I feel like in Miami and in Florida, we were still like all over the place, not sure what we're doing with all the boxes that we have, with the clothes that we have, how do we take it off the truck, in the truck. A lot was going on. Mm-hmm. I feel like today, three months or four months after that, we are a little bit more at ease with things. And it's a good opportunity to reflect on that journey that got us here. Mm-hmm. I want to start by telling the drop the coconut story, because I think it's important to get it right at the beginning so we can have context for this conversation. A friend of mine told me that story four years ago, and since then, all I can see are coconuts in everybody's hands. I think it just makes it easy for me to identify the issue, say it's a coconut, just drop it, or if you want to keep it, keep it, but I'm dropping mine. <laughs> so the story goes like this. It's about a greedy monkey, actually. In some countries, I think he mentioned the Philippines, the way to catch a monkey, a wild monkey that lives in the wild. And this is a disclaimer before I continue. I do not encourage catching monkeys. I don't think you should own monkeys. I think they should be free and happy in nature. I'm just telling the story. So the way to catch these wild monkeys is to dig a hole in the ground, put a coconut inside that hole. And then the monkey, when he sees that coconut, he reaches out his palm and his hand down the hole to catch the coconut. Once he grabs it, his fist is too big to pull it back up. And since he's greedy and doesn't want to let go, he just keeps trying to pull it out and makes it easy for his capturer, that's Mm -hmm. the right word, uh, to catch him. And all I want to do is go to that little monkey and say, just drop the coconut, because if you drop it, you're going to be free. And for me, once I heard that story, I started looking at everything in my life in terms of coconuts and what I hold in my hands that prevents me from making a change, making the next move. How is this reflecting in my relationships with everybody around me at work or in my personal life? And it struck a nerve with me somehow, and it stayed with me. So since then, I'm all about drop the coconut. (laughs) What do you think about this drop the coconut story? I mean, I, I love it as a metaphor for life to think about what are our coconuts, what is um, keeping us captured, or the the idea of 
um, who are our captors and how do they continue to go after us because we won't let go of this coconut. So I think this is a real, it's a really interesting story and a, an idea behind what we've done and maybe can inspire others to do. When you reflect back on your life, mm-hmm. after hearing that story, can you recognize coconuts throughout the way? Oh my gosh. I mean, there are so many. Money is probably the biggest coconut when you think, but jobs, relationships, homes, possessions, fashion, there's so many coconuts in my life that have, you know, I won't say prevented me from being successful because I've been very happy and successful in, in, in my life, but um, <clears throat> the journey that we are now on and will continue to do and share this story along the way is about letting go of so much of, of what those things are and what, um, what can come out of dropping some of those coconuts. And we're definitely going to talk about this today. Uh, actually, how we got here, yeah. really, more than anything. But for the people who don't know us and listening, aside from two people that I know that are listening, that's my mom and my friend Aaron Citric. He's listening for sure. <laughs> Just a little bit of background about ourselves, and I'm going to start with, with me. I came to New York in 2006. I came to work in the fashion industry with big dreams. And throughout my career, I've had a great career. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Something along the way broke, I guess. And I started seeing things in, in different ways. And I think throughout these conversations, I'm going to figure out with myself what exactly was broken, because I'm not sure yet. But I know something was broken. And I actually didn't get a chance to drop the coconut gracefully. I kind of slammed it through the door and broke everything that was in the way. So... I think I'll have the moment also to talk about that and why it became so heavy. But I met you in New York. Yep. Eight, eight years y- Eight years ago. Eight years ago. And we got married five years ago. Mm-hmm. Next, uh, next month will be eight, right? Yep. And since then, my life has changed. But I think we dropped so many coconuts along the way, we're going to talk about them. A little bit about yourself. Sure. I have, I have also had really a really successful career, both in the West Coast and in, in New York City when I moved eight years ago and met you right after I arrived. And, but those coconuts continued actually to get bigger and to expand even further and further and further. And part of that was intentional. You don't come to New York City without a dream of doing something big. And I didn't come to New York to be smaller. I came to New York to be bigger. And bigger also was part of this dream that I didn't even know that I had of doing something extraordinary. And that is, it became my book, Retail Pride. It became what we're doing now. It became so many different things that has evolved. But the, the coconuts were um, pretty immense and really heavy until a couple of years ago that I think um, really changed some things in us and changed what our, changed our goals in life. So we really have to thank New York for all that. We do. (laughs) (laughs) In a way. It's interesting that you say that because a lot of people that I talk to in New York have the same big dreams. Not necessarily in the same industries, but they come to New York and they are about to conquer the world. And many of them do. Some of them are still in the process of doing that. Some of them are still thinking that they will be able to do that. And they might. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that I learned in New York is that if you are willing to work hard, you can achieve anything. 
but it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of sweat and mm-hmm. it really depends how much you like to sweat in order to get there it's true and maybe what you're willing to sacrifice because you know full investment into making it may look very different for different people but you are making sacrifices oh absolutely absolutely i worked in the fashion industry for 16 years first of all i can't remember a year that it was a great year for fashion it was always challenging and we worked 12 13 14 hours a day through weekends through holidays there's always a holiday before fashion week yep always And in order to get ahead in that game, you have to be willing to put the work in. Mm -hmm. It is a tough one. Somehow in the first few years, it didn't feel tough. It felt like I should be grateful, really, for what's happening here. Because I came from Israel. I came from a small, rather small town compared to New York. And I got a job in New York. I don't care how much I'm making right now. I have to prove that I deserve it. Mm -hmm. I have to prove that I'm successful. It's a lot of putting face for what other people can see that I'm making of myself. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It makes sense because that is so much of the hype of the industry is that you should just be grateful to work in it. And that it, no matter the sacrifice, you should be grateful. And that it, that's a kind of paradigm of many industries, but in New York fashion industry, that's very true. You just kind of do the work, keep your head down, and sometimes the glory is not yours. Oh, often the glory is not yours. <laughs> I can tell you. I can tell you that firsthand. It's but it's not that I was ever looking for the glory. I really wasn't. I was looking to work hard. I was looking to make good money, and I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. I loved designing. I loved seeing the creations. But at the end of the day, when I started realizing that this is not the dream that I've had then something changed within me. Mm-hmm. And that's when the process, I think it took me about five, six years to really put it in words and understand what is happening that makes me want to make this big move. Because mm-hmm. you work for so many years, in a way you're kind of locked into your industry because that's what you have done for so many years. It's hard for other people to see what can you do else. Mm-hmm. Like you've been designing this and this, and I guess that's- So that must the, be all you can do. That must be all you can do. I've had this dream of opening a recruiting company with the goal of showing companies how people's skills can be transferable from one thing to another. Mm -hmm. That's all they do. They just sit there, take your resume, and show the other company how your skills can be transferable. And I found that so discouraging that nobody can see the abilities that I have. It can be from sales to design to design anything, really. Mm That was really frustrating for me, that I got locked into a specific niche, Mm -hmm. and it was hard to get out of it. Because my dreams grew, and they grew with me. They changed with me. It just took me many years to realize that. And it's okay to pivot. The question is how to do that. Mm -hmm. For me, again, it was this bang of like throwing this coconut out the door. I literally left in the middle of a meeting. I was like, I'm done. And I remember calling you and telling you, I quit. I just left my job. And that was a very scary moment for me when I thought about it. But when I did it, I felt such a relief. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know where is this going to lead me. But I knew where I've been. And I knew that where I've been is not where I want to be anymore. Mm -hmm. So part of the thing that made it right for me was the thing that I brought myself to this point. I made my life up to this point 
pretty good. I made a lot of money. I had a good job. I did, in general, what I thought that I wanted to do. I can do this again. It's going to take time. It's going to take time to build it again. But I can do this again. Did you have this in your life as well? I haven't had the dramatic moment like that because I do remember that phone call and you rarely cry and you were crying. So it was pretty dramatic. Um, but... I, th- th- I think there were tears of happiness. More than, Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> More than anything. You were free. You were that like, little monkey believe, that was free. I can't believe that I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't either. But we said, we're going to be okay. Because this was the first step in your journey. And I was not there. And this was pre-pandemic. The thought of doing something that was much bigger or more risk-taking was not even on the on mm-hmm. the table yet. And so you you kind of took you took a risk and did something without really much of a strategic plan. But that's also being part of being married. It's like we're going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. And that was, you know, I I never worried for a moment because yeah. I understand like the the power and the skill that you have. And I knew you would do something magical. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that being married helped the situation because I knew that there was someone standing by me. I think that it might've taken a little bit longer if we were not together, but it would have happened. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give the impression that you can't do that unless you're married. Right. You can do that regardless of what's happening in your life from personal perspective. If you're unhappy and you realize it, you don't always need to know where you're going in order to make the change. Mm -hmm. You just have to trust that you're going to find a path, Mm -hmm. right? That you're going to find a way to get to a new place and make it better. And I think we talked about it, that the fear is that you're not going to find something as good as what you have. I've been always told you need to count your blessings, Mm. right? Look at the the full and the half- Glass half full. Exactly. (laughs) Look at that and say, oh my God, this is amazing. But honestly, I don't want a half glass. I want a full glass. Yeah. I don't want a half glass full. Why would anybody want that? Yeah. I want, I want a full glass. I do too. And we maybe are taught, I think you're right, I hadn't really put too much thought into this, that if you have enough to survive, you are you kind of stay under the radar, you stay out of trouble, you make enough money, you, you perform decently well, that that's just good enough. But I want to put a distinction on that because we made way above what is enough to survive. We did. So we made a lot of money. So you don't need to make just above to survive, even if you make like a lot, sometimes it's just not right. right. Sometimes the salad is also a half glass, mm-hmm. right? Because it's more than money. Right. But it takes so much time to realize that. And it takes so much time to let go of the fact that I've built a life here that is all surrounding how much I make. When I started in the fashion industry, I rented an apartment in Brooklyn with a roommate. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to the city with a roommate. Now we're living in this apartment on the 49th floor in the financial district, and you have to support all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a huge infrastructure that goes in behind that. And we don't have children. There are other things that other people have. We had to figure out what we needed at at that time during those years. Yeah, we don't have children. We have clothes, (laughs) right? It's true. They are children. Yeah. Closets and closets full of clothes and shoes. We used, I should say we used to have. <laughs> we used to have. We them. don't have anymore. We don't have them anymore. Yeah. We let that go. That, <laughs> That's that was, another coconut. That was a big one. That was a big coconut. So I keep thinking about, again, like you said, the infrastructure that I've built for myself, that 
I need to sustain now. I need to I need to maintain it and sustain it and make mm-hmm. sure that the next job that I get is either I make the same money or more than that. And that is the thing that kept me in the loop for so long. That and the fact that I know that I like what I do, but at some point it wasn't enough to keep me there. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, it wasn't enough. Emotionally, it wasn't enough. It took me a long time to realize that. Yep. That makes me think about the moments that we want to make change. In my head, I'm like, okay, tomorrow morning it's going to be different. We're going to just do the change and that's it. We're going to Change can take time. It can take years. And once you ease yourself into that, once you ease yourself into the idea that change can take three, four, five years and you're okay with that, you just let yourself simmer in it and you let yourself figure it out mm-hmm. and understand within yourself what is this that is not working. And by the end of the process, you might not know exactly what's not working but you are more at ease and more complete mm-hmm. with the change. And it's either you drop it, again, gracefully, just put it on the ground and let go. <laughs> or if you throw it out the window, throw it out the window. It's not that I had the answers, but I knew that what I've had was not the answer anymore. Mm-hmm. So you moved to New York from California yep, and came to New York with big dreams. yep. And I know what New York was for me, I'm curious to hear what New York was for you. Mm-hmm. So I had spent most of my life, I grew up in California and spent most of my life and my career in California. And I had worked for companies uh, that were New York based, but had only ever spent time in New York City on business. So they would be a week at a time, a few days at a time, or companies that were recruiting me, they were New York based or that, you know, if I was going to grow my career, I needed to move to New York. And I always just said, you know, no, I'm a California guy. I like it here. I like the weather. I'm, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good in, in LA. And there was just happened to be the right time. I was turning 50. It was the right opportunity with Bonobos to do something um, pretty extraordinary. And I was single and I'm like, I'm just going to take my shot. I'm going to try this. It may not work. I may be coming running back to LA and that was not the case. So for me, it was almost dropping the coconut of safety of LA mm-hmm. because, it, you know, I had a great life. Most of my friends um, were there. And that idea of taking a big risk to a city I didn't understand, to not owning a car, like, how do I live? What do I do? How is all this going to work? Was really intimidating. Yet I knew I had the energy and the drive to do it. So I actually wanted to take that risk and then met you just literally two months after moving there. This is the right place to be right now. And it was for yeah. several years. And I said, I'm going to lock it up, right? I was you like, did. Yeah, I'm you like, were pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lock it up. I think the interesting thing for me is that when I came to New York, I also, in a way, dropped the coconut. Mm-hmm. But back then it seemed like nothing. It seemed like I'm just going to go to New York and that's it. It didn't even occur to me how big this jump is. Mm. And part of it is because that this is a disclaimer. Sorry, mom. I lived in my in my parents' house. And you were how old? I was, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in my parents' house until I was 28. But I told you that if we ever go back to Israel, I'm going back to live with my mom. That's it. <laughs> so it didn't seem, it didn't seem as big. And moving out of New York this time seemed like an enormous effort. Something during these years working in the industry and working in New York makes you feel like 
you have to be committed to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not going to leave me now. Mm-hmm. Like, you're here and you're going to fight. You're in a relationship with the city. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I haven't lived anywhere else really in, in the United States, so I can compare. But something about the energy, something about the energy of all the people coming from all different places in the world and dreaming to be there. And the songs about New York that make you feel like you're like in a, in a movie scene. Sex in the city. The entire time yeah. makes you want to be successful. And the city doesn't let go. Mm-hmm. Did it feel the same for you? I definitely felt like I was in a relationship with the city, but that was because of the industry that we were both in. Because you're in the, in the US, you're in the, the center of fashion and fashion week, and we're both in this kind of cycle of this world. I'm on the retail side, you're on the design side, but we're both working in the same circle. So that relationship with the industry is very linked to your relationship with the city. But we can really say that about a lot of industries. We can say that about the finance industry. We can say that about Broadway and actors that are coming to the city to be successful. It's true to a lot of industries in that city. We just happen to be in, in fashion, but it relates to so many people and so many people that I've seen and talked to during the last few years that are tired, but they still can't make the move or they still don't see the way out. Right. And this is something that definitely the city does to you. Mm-hmm. It makes you have a commitment. And a lot of it for me was what will people say? Like I couldn't, I couldn't go back to Israel because who goes to New York and comes back to Israel? <laughs> I mean, sorry, Israel, amazing <laughs> place, but who goes all the way to New York, get the dream job, and then comes back to Israel? The industry is just not there. Like, there's no opportunity to do something at the same scale. Yeah. But this is also where the problem is. You're looking for something at the same scale instead of looking for something different. Mm-hmm. But I actually think that goes back to the, the infrastructure that's built in, in the work environment that you always have to prove on your resume that you've done more. Right. And you've had more responsibility. You've generated more revenue. You work for bigger brands. You had a bigger team. All of that's very true on the retail side and it's certainly true on your side. There's this inherent need to demonstrate that I can do more. And you're right. You don't want to have that resume that says, oh, I had this and then I left and now I have this and this because it's sometimes hard to articulate to hiring managers. And so that keeps you trapped. It keeps your hand in the hole. Totally. Yeah. I completely agree that it keeps your hand in that hole. So many reasons go into why, but it just keeps you there. Mm-hmm. And to say that for the third time, for me, it was with a bang. It was, I'm, I'm done. It's too heavy to hold. I'm not interested anymore. And I'm letting go so I can be free. And then I think that I had like six months of walking around a little bit in the city, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I had a moment where I, I'm going to be like, I'm going to start coding. Do you remember you this? Did. Days you were and learning days, how to code. <laughs> days and days sitting, learning <laughs> yes. how to code. Uh, when I realized that it's going to take me a little bit of time to make money out of that. <laughs> I was like, what You're is You're going to build some big apps. I know. I had so many ideas for apps. I still have them and I'm still going to do that. I, I promise believe, you that. I believe you. I'm still going to do that. But I needed something that will get me out of the house and I needed something that will put me back in the workforce, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Just so I can make a little bit of money, right? And we live in a small apartment. You needed to get out of the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And... That's when the idea came to join Apple. And I joined Apple at the store 
level. As a seasonal hire. As a seasonal hire. I remember a lot of the conversations that I've had leading to that job. One of them was with a friend of yours who was a manager, and she asked me, so after your years of experience, where do you want to fall into this organization? Like, how do you... And all I could think about at that moment was, I just want to be a specialist on the floor, go at the entry level that I can, mm-hmm. and just start learning this and see if I like it. I didn't know that I'm going to like it. And With the, as a blank slate, mind open, willing to learn, not having preconceived ideas about how things should work. Right. And this is very different than what I used to do. Mm-hmm. Where, whenever I changed jobs in the career that I've had, I had to walk in making sure people think that I know more than I know. Mm-hmm. Because that's how your coworkers value you. You have to, oh yeah, of course I did that. When actually I was like, what the hell? How am I going to do that? But I, I was confident that I can do it. But I can think of so many moments in my, in my fashion career where I walked into the room and I had to look the part. I had to know the part and know above what the part was supposed to be mm-hmm. in order to prove to whoever hired me that I am capable, that um, I'm deserving the money that you're paying me. And that was really challenging. So when I went to Apple to work at the store, which I've never done before, I'm just going to start from the entry level point and try to see if I like it, what I can learn from it and what I can, and what I can do with it. Yep. And boy, I loved it. It was very surprising to me because the first few days I kept looking around me and I see 300 people around me and I'm like, who are these people? Like, do I need to, do I need to wear fashion now? Do I need to impress them? Am I not impressing them? They're not the people that I used to be with. There is a moment where you're in limbo trying to figure out, is this new environment right for me? Mm-hmm. And can I fit in mm-hmm. into that environment? And I think that is, that is actually the thing that kept occupying my mind is, can I fit into this new environment? Mm-hmm. How do I adjust from where I've been, which is a little bit snobbish, a little bit pretentious, and come into this place where everybody claps when you say something? <laughs> and I used to be the one in the room that if anybody said, yay, I would be like rolling my eyes. Yeah. And I'm like, you need to contain yourself right now. This is not an industry of yay. This is an industry of putting sunglasses on, putting a serious face on. Nobody's high-fiving exactly, in no. the design room. No, no, nobody high-fiving. <laughs> no. If you get a, mm, that's okay, then you're like, ooh, I've achieved something here. But here you say, good morning, everyone, and everybody starts clapping. And I was like, can I clap with everyone? What are people seeing when they see me clap? They probably saw that I was a little bit uncomfortable at the beginning. I have to tell you, I eased into that so quickly, into the clapping and the high fives. And because you know what? It just feels good. Mm-hmm. It just feels good. Mm-hmm. And if you told me a few years ago that I would do that, I would be probably rolling my eyes at you and putting sunglasses on. I would have rolled my eyes if you told me you were going to do that too. Right. But it really feels good. Yeah. So when I walked into this job at entry level mm-hmm. with entry level pay, mm-hmm. which was very different than what I've had before. I came a little bit with a sense of humility into it. And I'm like, I'm just going to go with the flow right now because I'm not going back to where I've been. I know where I've been. It's not right for me anymore. I'm going to try something new this time. And by trying something new, I'm going to bet on myself that mm-hmm. I am capable of the change, that I can adapt to it, and that I'm really deserving this change for myself. 
And somehow things will work out. I don't know how they will work out, but they will work out. The money will work out. The idea of what I do in this new job will work out. Everything will fall into place. I just have to show up. And when you show up and put the hard work into it and just ease yourself into it, you start remembering things about yourself, right? I I started remembering things about myself and I'm like, yeah, I like to clap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to celebrate (laughs) other people's success. And I actually like when people celebrate my success. And I always thought that people will celebrate my success when I have this huge bag that is the eat bag and it will be out there and I can walk around with my huge sunglasses and say, I designed this bag. (laughs) But I actually just wanted someone to recognize that I've done a good job today. Right. Yeah, but think about that environment of 300 people as you were learning how to do it. And this this was a holiday 2019 pre-pandemic, so it's a very different time in the industry, but you have 300 people all wearing the same t-shirt. So there's no judgment. No judgment. There's no judgment about how someone looks, how someone um, wears their t-shirt differently. It's not about anything other than what you bring as a human to the experience among other humans. And that's really powerful. And I was really proud of you to do that. It's powerful. There, there are aspects to it that are intimidating. Mm-hmm. And you work with all these young kids and you think, oh, I'm going to teach them a thing or two. But I actually learned a lot from these young kids. And maybe, maybe one day there will be a whole episode about Apple. It's not really about Apple. It's more about the people that I worked with and what I learned through that journey. But that was a, an eye-opening moment for me. And that was really a drop the coconut moment. Mm -hmm. It was letting go of who I thought I was and allowing myself to become who I am today. For this moment, this is right for me. Without keeping holding to that person that has to be very severe with his face and very serious. And that was such a relief. Mm -hmm. Did you see, did you feel that relief in me or? I very much felt that. I remember actually when you came home from the orientation weekends. I mean, I used to teach those like big groups and everyone's joining Apple and everyone's really excited. I remember those times from my time working from Apple. And I remember you coming home and you're like, I've never experienced anything like that before. I've mm-hmm. never in, in the work environment in your entire 20 year career, you'd never experienced something like that. Never. And I, and I was like, I didn't want to judge or give you advice. I was wanted you to have your own experience. And so I I don't remember what I said, but it was probably along like that's amazing. Like I'm so glad you're doing this. But I didn't want to give you any insight into what your experience should be. I wanted to I wanted you to have your own unique experience. But it was fun to kind of watch it as an observer yeah. because I know some of the players. It was fun to just watch you have this journey in retail. Yeah, it was it was a great it was a great surprise. It was a great surprise for sure. Yeah. I didn't think that I can that I can do that, but I just fell into it and yeah. But what I think you then learned 6 months later, you know, in a, a couple of months into the pandemic and we were home is that great companies do the right thing for their people. Right. And you hadn't always felt that working in the re- in the fashion industry that they didn't always do the right thing for their people and you then were the recipient of a company who does and that really changed i you spoke so highly then 
of anyone looking for a job that they should work at Apple. But I want to make a point here that when I, when I made the change, I didn't know that's where it's going. And this is a key thing when I think about change today, is that you can make whatever you want out of the change. You don't know what it will be. You don't know how it's going to pan out. You don't know what's going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. But you can make something out of it if you put the effort and the passion into it. And I think we look for safety mm-hmm. most of our lives. So sometimes big things like this can look very intimidating. But I decided that whatever it is, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to put the hard work and I'm going to try to learn something new about myself. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned that I love people. I learned that I love being around people. I learned that I love talking to people and that I can be part of a huge group that celebrates one another. Mm -hmm. And it felt really, really good. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I kind of replaced whatever I got at my other career, which let's say for now, in the last years, was more money than anything Mm -hmm. because I didn't get any recognition or I didn't feel like I'm getting the right recognition. But I replaced that with enjoying working with people. And now that was the thing that I was holding. Now I was holding for these moments that empower me. And a lot of the times, these great moments where you get the chance to empower someone else Mm -hmm. and how it makes them feel. And sometimes, you know, there's some, you can't replace that, not with money, not with anything else. And I see that you do that a lot. It's the best part of, of a retail career are bringing other people forward because it's you are surrounded by people who are there for a variety of different reasons and providing training opportunities, providing career advancement, thinking about um, stretch assignments or you know how to help others, how to help everyone around you be the best version of mm-hmm. themselves and move their career forward. Mm-hmm. For me, is one of the most valuable and rewarding parts of the retail industry. Mm-hmm. So you experienced it at Apple. I've experienced it as um, the, been the recipient of that and as a leader. And uh, I think that's part of that industry that is really unique and creates a lot of pride. Mm-hmm. And I want to move it a little bit forward into the pandemic because that's when we were sitting at home for a long time, seven mm-hmm. months that we were at home, like yeah. many others. And we are blessed in many ways because we kept our jobs and we were healthy. And yeah. a lot of people did not go through this pandemic uh, the way that we did. So we are grateful for that. And our hearts goes out to people who had difficult time through this and lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. But we went through the pandemic rather in one piece in New York City. In New York City, yes. And I don't want to say that the pandemic is what really got us to the point where we decided to leave. Because mm-hmm. for me, it just highlighted an aspect of our life. And that aspect was how much I miss being outside, how much I miss nature. A lot of people left the city. The city was very empty. Mm-hmm. But I was still very engaged in my work. Apple kept us engaged. But something changed out of that pandemic. Mm-hmm. For both we, of us. We were different people. Yeah, The city didn't look the same for me anymore. Mm-hmm. The city in certain ways didn't feel safe anymore. Maybe it was the lack of people mm-hmm. around that, you know, that are always roaming, right. roaming the city. And I'm curious to hear from you, what was the moment where you said, we need to get out? For me, it was toward the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, Um, when things were what you would sort of call 
feeling back to normal and we were getting back into our same routines and we were starting to think about like what the year was going to be in 2021. And I would say by spring of 2021, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I can't just keep doing more of the same. So here mm -hmm. we are back in the same situation, the same pressure, the same, um, you know, kind of the same coconuts for lack of a better word. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like, so I, we made a decision at that time by June of 2021 is when we made that decision of we're going to buy an RV an Airstream and we're going to leave. And that those were very big decisions that took a lot of conversation and thought, but that for me was the lack of evolution in um, some of the things I was doing um, and mixed with uh, my desire to have a bigger platform for my book, um, kind of put all of the all of the pieces of the puzzle together mm -hmm. to do something bigger, which is what we're doing today. I think that decision was the first time in my life, really, where we made a decision. I didn't know where it was going, but I was completely at ease with it and going with the flow. Yeah. I didn't know when exactly we're going to leave. We just knew in our heads that it's going to happen. I didn't know how it's going to happen. I didn't know where we're going, really. How to make money. How to make money, which is, again, another evolution in this dropping the coconut of the money again and letting go of the only job that I had at the time. And it was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm going to lose even this that I'm making now. Yeah. And, but I was like, we're going to figure it out. We yeah. can figure it. There is no way in the world that we cannot figure this out. Yeah. And I think that state of mind was a resolution of the pandemic. Because at that point, there was like, we have nothing to lose right now. There's nothing <laughs> to lose. What are we losing? The city life is not there anymore. Yeah. For me, it never came to be what it used to be before that. So we're like, okay, we are done. That was for me, they're like, okay, and we're done. Yep. Thank you very much. It's been great. I don't owe you anything, New York. You don't owe anything to me back. Right. And we're even. Right. I stayed here throughout. I survived it. We, sta we stayed in the relationship <laughs> even when it was yeah. hard. And you put us through the challenge. We survived the challenge and we're done. And it was um, it was an interesting moment to pack our stuff when we finally decided that we were leaving. So this was a year, not a year, nearly a year later. Right. I thought it's going to be more of a soft transition into it, but it happened kind of like in a... And it was an interesting moment again to pack our stuff and get all that apartment that we've had. And that was an interesting process for me because packing our things and getting rid of the furniture was a long process of realizations of, oh my God, this sofa that we bought, this huge sofa that would not fit into any other apartment probably. We kind of squeezed it. We had to cut it in three pieces in order to get it to our apartment. It's true. Like we had to send it to California to cut it to three pieces and send it back to us That's so we can true. actually fit it into the apartment. I I'm forgot like, about that. How crazy is that? I'm like, this is insane. And this sofa kept us in place for seven years yeah. because we couldn't even find an apartment to fit that stupid sofa. So you're like, okay, we're just, we were so tired at looking at apartments that we're like, we're just going to stay here because we did want to get into a cheaper place. We did want to downsize. But the stupid furniture that we've had kept us in place yeah i'm like you sofa you're the biggest coconut right now in my life and i'm getting rid of you and you king size bed you are a coconut and i'm getting rid of you 
and the table, you are a coconut and I'm getting rid of you. And I started looking at all these things as things that are holding me in place. And all I wanted, it took us about three months to get rid of all of them. All I wanted was to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to own any sofa. I don't want to own any table. I don't want any king size bed. I don't want anything. I just want to be free to move if I want to move. Right. And I don't even want to start to talk about the clothing situation. I don't even want to go there because I'm just going to drop it here, like a little coconut. I'm just going to drop it here that when we sold our stuff on the real reel, we made several tens of thousands of dollars. Several tens of thousands of dollars. So if you're listening to... Which is a percentage of what they were worth. Right, exactly. So if you're listening to this and... If you don't have a lot of clothes, if you have two t-shirts in your closet, good for you. But if you look through your closet and you don't know what's happening there anymore, it's time to drop that coconut. Let this go. Because all these clothes, where do you find even an apartment to fit all these clothes? And we had to negotiate at some point. If you bring something in, you take something out. (laughs) Because we didn't have a room for a needle to sew a button if it fell from a shirt. It's true. So letting go of all these things was really a moment of relief for me. And I couldn't wait to see them out. Mm. I don't want to see them anymore. I just want to be free. I want to let go of all these things. And this is a big drop the coconut moment. Was it difficult for you to get rid of them as well? I mean, it's, I still think, think about it. And yes, you, (laughs) in some ways you forced some of it on me, but now I very much appreciate it. I very much appreciate having less and not spending money on it and you're right it's it's a the the wardrobe you and i both had were costumes for the life we led exactly life we led i love that yeah and that we don't need those costumes anymore yeah i still have a little bit of costumes you do but just because i really enjoy them (laughs) and i'm like this it kind of feels fun (laughs) but i don't have as much as i've had (laughs) you don't and you definitely don't have as much as you've had i don't yeah i don't What I hope to get through these conversations over the next few months, as long as we do this trip, I'll give you a little bit of a surprise. We just ordered our new Airstream. (laughs) Because we need a little bit of... (laughs) The journey is not ending anytime soon. Not anytime soon, because we need a little bit of room. Uh, But what I want to find out through this journey and these conversations in the next few months is... These moments of letting go are so interesting to me because these are the moments that I remember the most. I almost don't remember the moments where I bought something new, but I definitely remember when we let them go Mm. because it made me feel so much lighter. And I definitely cherish the moments where I got hired, but I cherish more the moments that I left. Left. (laughs) To be honest with you, I am. I I feel blessed to to have had the jobs that I've had. But when I left, it was such a sigh of relief. I'm like, I'm out of this crazy and replacing it with a different crazy, but I'm out of this crazy. And I cherish arriving to New York, but I cherish more leaving it Mm. because I chose to leave it and it didn't suck me in anymore. Mm. And these moments are really, really important i feel in everything that we do to remember that letting go is a powerful thing it doesn't mean that you gave up it doesn't mean that we gave up it doesn't matter what the world say about it it doesn't matter how everybody perceives it the fact that you decided to let go is a testament to your power and your capability and Mm -hmm. your adaptability and you deserving something else 
you can make it better, you can make it worse, but you deserve something mm-hmm. else if you choose to. Mm-hmm. And throughout this three months that we've been out, we've met so many people who were exactly at the same point yeah. and telling almost the identical stories of, I just let go. And I'm like, you dropped a coconut? And they were like, what, are you, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, this is the coconut story. And everybody's like, yes, we dropped the coconut. It's true. And it's so interesting to me that so many people in wherever you are, whatever you do, are going through the same processes of letting go that I really want to talk about it. And I want to figure it out for me. I want through this journey to learn more about how you let go. Mm-hmm. And I want to make these decisions more powerful for the future, for us, mm-hmm. of letting go. Mm-hmm. Letting go of ideas, letting go of things, letting go of anything that holds us in place and doesn't allow us to move. So I hope to find people on the road that I can talk to and that I can have these conversations with. Some others that I'd love to talk to, I'm going to call them and have this conversation over the phone because I want everybody to hear. I think they have a lot of interesting things to say about letting go and about how their life panned out and what they did with it. Yeah. And it's going to be an interesting journey, I feel like. We're yeah. going to drop the coconut. I think by doing that, by dropping the coconut, and if you're listening, you need to drop something small. Just drop a small coconut today. Just bet on yourself. Bet on yourself that you are capable, that you are adaptable, and you're that you are deserving it. Mm. And with that, I think we're going to wrap this conversation. This was and fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward for the second one, which is going to be even better. I think. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Dropping some coconuts around? Maybe. maybe. Dropping some coconuts around the campground, maybe? Maybe. Um, But I think the next time we're going to talk, we're probably going to be in Colorado by that time. And I can't wait to see who who we are going to meet and who we're going to talk to. So, Ronald, thank you for being my first guest on Drop the Coconut podcast. You did a beautiful job. Oh, thank you. And you're welcome. (laughs) And I look forward to listening more. Listening and watching and going on this journey together. There's no one I would rather do it with than you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you're inspired, reach out to me. I would love to hear your story. And maybe we can drop a few coconuts together. Who knows? The next episode will be recorded in Colorado. And I can't wait to share it with you all. Thank you again for tuning in. And we'll see you out there.